Um, what we're going to do is we are going to start with a game uh, because we do have our young ones with us, but I'm going to actually choose the participants of this game. So these are people who love each other very much. Um, I've just seen, like, they're one of the greatest bromances of all time. Caleb and Stanford, can you come forward? Without the other, um, but these guys have one of the greatest friendships of all time, so it's wonderful. So you guys are my first um, team. Uh, we need a sibling team. Can I get Hannah and Michael up here, please? I think we might need a married couple. So Beck and Andy, can you guys make your way up,
you'd love someone to actually go beyond what you would like for yourself for the interests of the other person. Now we know siblings dynamics can be a little bit different, so Hannah Lady can come up and I'll give you an help yourself. Um, <laughs> but when you look at the way um, that really good and healthy relationships work, and I'm not talking about like a toxic dynamic, I'm talking about a good, healthy relationship. The couple, whether it be a friendship, whether it be a married relationship, whether it be parent and child, a really lovely and beautiful thing to see when love is at work is when the each party continually outgives the other. They continue to look to the interests of the other person more than themselves. And then you can see that and go, wow, that is awesome. That is such love. I know that um, we've got Cool and Gatta Church crew joining us here over this weekend, which is wonderful. But Brad and Ma aren't going to be here because they are in Canada visiting Martha's family because they love them. It's a long trip with two kids. You should be praying for them. <laughs> it costs a lot of money to go over there. Brad works really hard and that money is going towards that. But because of the love they have for their family, they're willing to pay that price in order to spend that time together and show them how much they love them. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at one of my favourite <coughs> passages of the Bible that is not typically necessarily associated with Christmas, but it absolutely is. And when we can grasp the meaning of this passage, it really brings Christmas to a place where we, um, we just fall to our knees in awe of God. Uh, this is one of my favourite passages in the entire Bible, and it's Philippians chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles with you, if you have a Bible, you can open it and read along with me. Philippians chapter 2 starts, uh, we're going to start from verse 5 to just break it down a bit by bit, okay? So it says, In your relationships with one another, so us, have the same mindset or the same attitude as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Or some versions will say something to be grasped, something to take advantage of. So what this is very, in the very beginning, it's saying, before you look at um, what Jesus' attitude on earth was like, you need to start at the very beginning. If you're going to really grasp the true meaning of Christmas, you need to have a look at the nature of God. Because Jesus is part, he's saying here, he's in the nature of God. He is equal with God. He was there at the beginning of creation. He was there with all of that. So we've been looking at the nature of God a little bit over in kids' church. So maybe some of the kids who are here, or maybe some of you adults might know as well, you can help me a little bit, answer some of these questions regarding the nature of God. Okay, they should be pretty easy. Okay, how powerful is God. All powerful. All powerful. Correct. Well done. <laughs> How much does God know? Everything. He is without limit in his knowledge. And not only his knowledge, but his wisdom. Where is God? 
Everywhere. And we can see his fingerprints in creation around us. We can see from the very little intricacies of like microbiology or the way the human body functions or the way that we learn or the massive, you know, oceans or the, the deepest trenches and the, and the things that we are still discovering yet as humankind. We can see the fingerprints of God on it. That is... He's so incredibly intelligent beyond us that he has made this world to be able to function in such a, a beautiful way in these ecosystems working together. And not only that, it's like this earth is within a, a universe and it, and it just continues to go bigger and bigger and bigger. And God is outside of it all, but he's also here in it all. He stands outside of time as the creator of all of these things and his beauty is made so evident when we look around and when we see one another. But not only that, his character continues to remain the same always. He is always good. He is always truthful. He is always faithful. This God is so majestic and so wonderful and so without limits. He is so amazing. This is the start of Jesus' being. This is who Jesus is. And then Philippians goes on to say, instead of just staying there in that state, it's part of the Trinity just so separate from his creation, although interacting with it, says, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant or slave, a human, being made in human likeness, taking on the limitations of human nature and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So we see he has the nature of God and the incarnation, the Christmas story, is that this God, this creator God, who is without limits, his glory is magnificent, comes and limits himself to the nature of humanity. He's no less God, but he chooses to take on the nature of a man. So let's talk about human nature. How strong and powerful are we? Sort of. We can do some things, some things, but we're rather limited in the power of what we can actually achieve as humans, aren't we? How much do we know as humans? The more you know, the more you know, the less you know. Where are we as humans? We're limited to this time and this space in this moment. We are so limited. That doesn't mean that we're, you know, awful, boo, we're humans. <laughs> we're still made in the image of God. We're still made with this, with this beautiful nature. We still have this, this beautiful ability to do things like learn God doesn't do that, but he's created us with the ability to do that. He's given us the dignity of being able to choose whether we will follow him or not. He's given us the ability to, to have free will in this life. 
He is made of in the image and able to create. So I thought Christmas time. I know Zach. He's next door. So Zach's kind of famous for his cookies, right? He makes many other things really well, but we all love his cookies. So yeah. If I'm in kids' church or something, I know if Zach is on morning tea and made cookies that day because people know I like his cookies so much. They run over after the service and go, quick, you better clean up. Zach's cookies are here today. <laughs> and they run out. And sometimes Melania's even beautiful enough to come and bring me one of these cookies. Delicious. But Zach doesn't have this skill that I have. I have a bit of a cookie skill myself. And so this morning I got up and I used some cookie dough that I had in the freezer that I made. Um, I can make the world's creepiest gingerbread man. I mean, some people can make normal looking gingerbread men. I can't do that. That's not in my real house. But I can make creepy creepy, creepy gingerbread <laughs> And Milani is always so lovely to me and says, Mum, I don't know how you do it, but that, that just is horrifying to me. <laughs> and then when I make gingerbread men for tweenies, she goes, surely you're not giving that to the children. <laughs> They're not going to come back. They're going to be so scared. But I made a gingerbread man this morning and I tried. <laughs>
What's more astounding is the fact that Jesus not only became man, but he became the lowest of the low. He's like, I mean, things don't always go right here at church. And I had one of those mornings, like, I went to make this gingerbread man and I went into the cupboard into my baking section. And um, partway through decorating this lovely, this lovely guy, um, I'm like, where on earth have all the mini M&Ms and Smarties gone? Smarties like, oh, they were gone weeks ago. <laughs> Last night, dogs bark. It was just, there are times in our life when things don't go well. In little ways, there's times in our life when things don't go well in, in big ways. But Jesus came and you look at the beginning of his story. Tim Mackey does an excellent sermon on my strange Bible on Matthew 2. And he, he just challenges Put yourself in the position of Mary, this teenager, who's then, she finds out, you know, she's pregnant, and she's, Holy Spirit, you know, there's joy there, but obviously, like, what? Like, this is going to have huge ramifications for her life. Thankfully, God gets Joseph on board, but then they have to go and travel away. She's going to where her in-laws are, away from where her family is. She's riding on a donkey while she's super pregnant, she gives birth in a manger rather than surrounded by family in her home. She then <laughs> has to go and take off and escape and living with the life of knowing what's happened to the other baby boys who are her son's age, knowing that they were after her actual child and living with that for the rest of her life. Then they go to Egypt and from there they go to go back home but they can't because the king's son is still there and still out to get them. So they end up in Nazareth, which is a no-name town somewhere in obscurity. And then Jesus lives a life of obscurity as a tradie. He's doing life perfectly. And then he starts his ministry. And you think, well, maybe here is where it all starts to turn around and go well. But he is persecuted. He's rejected. He's betrayed. He's misunderstood. And then to top it off, he's crucified. Jesus didn't just come to like, look at me how good I am. He hits the lowest of the lows. Why? How far would you go for someone you love? He's come so far. He has identified with us in our most broken moments. He experienced the pain of humanity. The most humble of beginnings. This quote from that sermon is, can you even imagine if that was your story? Who could survive? Just put yourself in the untold stories of what takes place in Matthew chapter 2. Imagine the prayers you're praying as you escape into the night desert with your infant. To me, what these stories raise is the question of when terror and tragedies and disappointment and loss hit, where is God? Where are you, God? And the Bible very clearly answers the question that it asks. Where is God? 
is Emmanuel. He has come to us. He is with us. God, created God, limitless God, all-loving, all-powerful, all-wonderful God came to be with us in our weakest and most broken of moments in order to restore us to himself. Because of our sin and our choices, we could not go to God. So he came to us. Isn't that just the most beautiful thing? Doesn't that just blow your mind? That is what Christmas is about. And if you can embrace what this truly means, like J.O. Packer says, once you understand the incarnation, what it means God to come with us, you're never questioning the rest of what happens in the rest of the Gospels and the rest of Acts because you're like, whoa, this is God come to us. Of course he can do this. Of course he can do that. Of course God would raise him from the dead. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 to 11. We'll finish off with that. So Jesus lives this life, a perfect life, showing us who God is and what he's like and what his plans for us are. And therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Isn't that wonderful? We can go to this God and this kingdom has been put in place and we see it but not even yet in its fullness. So whether you are having the best Christmas week of your life right now, or the worst Christmas week of your life right now, know that God is with you. You can know that his love for you is so great because he showed it simply by coming to us. His promises for you are true. You are never alone. You are never without purpose. Everything you are and everything you have done is known by him and he still loves you to the core. And he wants a relationship with you. He wants to walk with you each and every day through this. You are so loved and there's something so worth rejoicing over this Christmas, isn't it? Mm. It's one of the greatest seasons. <laughs> Not because of the hot weather and the surf and the hanging out with family, but he's come so far to show you his love to reconcile you to him. So I am going to hand it over to Dave now. What do you know? No? He doesn't want to talk. That's okay. <laughs> if you would like prayer, if you have not experienced, if you have not embraced this offer of relationship that Jesus has made for you today, I'd love to come and chat with you after the service. You can come and talk with me. I'd love to pray with you. Um, but otherwise, I encourage you to hang out, eat some good food, drink some good coffee, and just spend this day just 
embracing and reveling in the love that God has for you and his very presence with you today.